Um, if you could, as we as we uh, as we are we are we are laboring as as much as we can to get into and get through the the spiritual engineering topic that we uh, that we've been digging into, we've got two weeks down uh, to start off. We're gonna, if we could, while while we're uh, going for the intro here, if you could open up to Ephesians chapter two, Ephesians chapter two. You know, uh, Amanda was talking about the Hallmark movies. You know, and she's saying that. Uh, She's saying, oh, it's just so much fun to, you know, cozy up by a fire, you know, and she's making the reference of the fire, it's because, you know, we, we don't have a working fireplace, it's because I lit the other end of the couch on fire to make the movie stop after the fifth or sixth one in a row. No, just kidding. <laughs> no, but oh my gosh, they're so easy, they, 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 they are, I'm, I try to stay out of it, and it's like I get hooked in, it's like, wait, why are they doing this now? And she's like, if you're not going to watch, don't ask questions. All right, all right, all right, all right. No, but we want to talk about uh, spiritual engineering. And uh, just, to, just a verse to, to get us in on that. Um, Ephesians chapter 2, did we find Ephesians chapter 2? In verse 10, it says, For we are his, God's, workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are God's workmanship. And throughout the, throughout the course of the series, we've, we've touched on, we've looked at some in really interesting marvels of engineering, and man, some impressive pieces of workmanship. But I've got to be honest, the most impressive piece of workmanship that is on the planet Earth today is you. Everyone, point your finger at yourself and say, it's me. Because you're God's workmanship. That means that God has specifically plotted out and planned something in your life, individual just to you, that you're going to experience, that you're going to go through, and there's going to be something that he wants you to achieve. And that's going to be with some effort, workmanship. God plotted this out long ago. That means that everything that you've come across in your life up to this point, good, bad, or indifferent, God knew about. He knew that you were going to encounter it. And I'd like to think that God is a master builder. I mean, I, th I think he's pretty good at planning stuff out, pretty good at figuring things out. I mean, you read through the Bible, the plan of redemption, man, that thing started all the way back in the Garden of Eden, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it carried out pretty, pretty flawlessly throughout the course of time. God has the same perfect plan for our life, but he knows that we're going to have to work to achieve it, work to find it. And just like you look at some of the, mar the marvels of, of engineering, the things that men have created throughout the world, that, that mankind together has created, that it's, it's impressive, but it wasn't without a lot of work. It wasn't without a lot of effort. It wasn't without a lot of planning. It wasn't without a lot of failure. It wasn't without a lot of Blood, sweat, and tears sometimes. And I think for us, we don't always equate that over into the spiritual world. We think of what's going on and we, we look at some of the, the, the buildings that are created, some of the, I mean, you look at the pyramids. Oh my gosh, those are amazing. Can't believe somebody came up with that. Well, the, the thing is that somebody did come up with that. Somebody probably devoted their entire lives to that. In fact, there was uh, this summer I had the, the pleasure of being able to go to Germany in the one church that I visited, it took over 150 years for them to make the church. That's a lot of effort. That's a lot of planning. That's a lot of 
work. That's, I'm sure there's a lot of rework that went into that. But it's huge to think about that. And I, and, I, and I wonder whenever we look at our own lives, do we put the same effort into our spiritual life? The same kind of effort that's put in to come up with a, the, these masterpieces that you see throughout the world of what mankind has created. Do we do the same thing in our own lives? Or are we just content to you know, take the waves as they come and just ride it out and hope for the best? I'm going to tell you, that's not what God wants. God wants far better for us. And you know, on the outline, uh, boy, the outline. I've had a lot, of, a lot of thoughts on the outline of what people have said. Uh, I, I apologize that we haven't gotten through it. So everybody start off on the outline. Uh, there's the line there. Look down at it or go ahead and read it. It says, it sounds simple enough until we go out and try it. Put a star next to that on the outline. If we get to that point, we win today, okay? <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> no, but uh, just to recap, I say all that with, the, with the, 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 the idea of engineering to say that spiritual things, this is our first blank, spiritual things are a lot like physical things. So you look at the, the great modern, the marvels of our world, they were, they were accomplished through a lot of effort, through a lot of learning. And it's the same thing with the spiritual things in our life. If you want to overcome big things in your life, you want to achieve great things in your life. Now, there's, there's some, sometimes, sometimes life doesn't give you the choice of whether or not you want to achieve something great. You're faced with a big enough problem that you have to overcome it. But it's up to us to take the effort to push through and get on the other side of it. And just as a, as a recap again, the first blank we had there, we talked about understanding the environment that you're in. And in understanding the environment that we were in last week, we talked about the foundation. And it says the foundation of every man, everything that we are building on, the foundation is Jesus Christ. And we talked about how easy it is to build on foundation with Jesus Christ, but at the same time, it's also pretty easy to start your own side project off foundation and build things that are not centered through Jesus Christ. I really encourage you. The, I, I think there were a few things in there that a lot of that God specifically gave me to say for some folks that were in the services. So I encourage you, if you haven't listened to it, please go back and listen to it. The next blank we talked about were the, to understand the elements that you're working with. Understand the elements that you're working with. And this is kind of where we stopped off. We talked about the Word of God is the most powerful element that we have in our arsenal of what we have to work with. And you, it, just as I was going through, and I, I've kind of enjoyed this, this, this series because I've gone through and looked at, I've looked at different things for engineering and I was looking at tools for engineering, and I found out, you realize there's 40 different kinds of hammers that across all the spectrums of engineers, 40 different kinds of hammers of what is used, all with specific purposes, all with specific functions. Now, I think I, I, I say that because, obviously, if I go to my dentist's office and they pull out a jackhammer to begin work on my teeth, I think there's a little bit of a mismatch. I mean, man, we're going to get that cavity... We're going to get that cavity by removing that entire side of my face, but, you know, hey, we're going to get the cavity. But I think sometimes with us as Christians, we approach, we approach God and the problems that we face in our life the same way. We think, oh, well, this worked before, or I heard this pastor say this. I heard this, you know, my friend did this, and this worked. But sometimes our problems are a little more specialized. Does anyone, anyone ever hear, and let's be honest, anyone ever thought, boy, no, 
This is a really unique problem. I don't know anybody else that has ever gone through what I went through, right? Oh, come on, just me? Okay, well, you four, okay, you can, you'll get this next point. Everybody else, just go along for the ride here. No, but we approach it and we think, well, there's only one solution. I go to church, I come to church, I listen to what the pastor says, I have people pray for me, and if it doesn't happen, well, just must not be for me. Huh? Meanwhile, God's saying, whoa, 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 you, that's, that's one approach. There's 40 different hammers of how we can go about this problem. Sometimes we want to take things that we hear and we want to apply them in the wrong way. Or we don't want to use them the same way that somebody else does. For instance, we want to say that if the Word of God is true and the Word of God is the most powerful thing that we have in our arsenal to work with in our spiritual engineering, the most powerful thing that should be fueling our belief, should be altering our thoughts, should be changing the way we speak, it should be changing what we believe. And the Bible says that if we have faith, even the size of a mustard seed, we couple that with what we know is in the Word of God, it says, well, nothing is impossible for us. It says that whenever we pray and we ask, we will receive. But somewhere along the way, things get altered, and maybe it's, maybe it's one time that it doesn't work for us. And maybe it's that one time that it doesn't work for us that it was the time that it really wanted to count for us. We really needed something to come through for us. Does that mean that the Word of God is not true? Well, then what is it then? And I think that's the question that we as Christians were afraid to ask. Well, it didn't work for me. Whenever it doesn't work, the first thing we need to do is ask God why. And then be honest with ourselves of why it didn't work. You know, it goes back to the, the idea of, were we using the wrong tool? You know, you're, are we using a, trying to work with a, <laughs> I saw a video. <laughs> it was a guy uh, on a construction site. They were filming, it was obviously a new guy, but they were filming him using a jackhammer to take, take apart part of a wall from the top. And, of course, the videos, uh, they're all laughing at him. And he has the jack, he's using the right tool, but the problem is that he didn't plug the jackhammer in. So he's taking the jackhammer and going like this, and smashing the top part of the wall to get it down. And then whenever, so they're showing him doing this, and then they slowly scroll back of all of the work that this dude has done, manually lifting up a 40-pound jackhammer and smashing every time. And I, I mean, the guy had to have been going at it for like six-plus hours, right? Oh, I know. But you know what, I think sometimes we're the same way in our Christian walk is we want to use one approach to a solution and whenever that doesn't work, we just, well, we're just going to keep going at the same way, going at the same way, going at the same way, and we have the same result, which is not ideally what we want. Now, I'll give you, I'll give you a couple of examples of this. If you look in the natural world, you have, I mean, you're, do you guys know there's 24 man-made elements on the periodic table, 24 man-made elements. That was the effort of combining different elements together to come up with something brand new. Now, I'll make this, I'll make this, put this in another term. You guys ever hear of, uh, I mean, you guys know what uh, bronze is, right? So, anybody know what bronze is made of? 
Let me tell you, because I, I wrote this one down. It's an alloy consisting primarily of copper with commonly about 12% 12, 12 of tin and other additional materials such as aluminum, manganese, nickel, or zinc. Now you might say, well, what is that? Okay, that, that, that's great news. Well, whenever they discovered that combination of those different elements together, it was so revolutionary to our human history, they named an entire age after it, the Bronze Age. Because it was a whole new ball game now with that metal. They were able to do a lot of different things that they weren't able to previously do because pure iron wasn't able to function the same way bronze does. And if bronze is a strong metal, lasts very long, it's resistant. So a whole new ball game opened up. And what I want to encourage us is we look at knowing the elements that we're working for. There's the Word of God, but there's so many other things that we can couple in with the Word of God. And if we supplement it all together, all of a sudden we're working with a whole new set of tools in our lives spiritually to come up with new solutions, to take us into new places that we would have never been able to go had we not combined these different things together. So we talked about the Word of God and knowing the Word of God, and we have to know the Word of God. In fact, everything that I'm going to talk about from here on out, it all is based on the Word of God. So maybe you say, well, Pastor Ben, I, I know the Scripture, I looked up Scripture, but things just still quite don't work out for me. Well, let's try a different element. And one that I want to talk about is meditation. <laughs> the Bible talks about meditation. In fact, the Scripture that we, we looked at, Joshua 1.8, says that the book of the law won't depart from your mouth. Meditate. He's telling Joshua, meditate on it day and night. So it's really interesting. I looked up the word in, in Hebrew of what does meditate mean. And it means to mutter, to muse. And it actually gave the example of, it was really interesting. It almost gave the example. It said, as a, as a lion is eating its food. And if you ever watch those National Geographics, it's almost like as they eat, they're just making noises. As they eat their food and just chew on it and chew on it and chew on it. They're making their little growls, whatever it is, as they go at it. You know, it's almost kind of like, I compare it to like whenever Amanda made this soup this week, right? This soup, this soup, this soup was amazing. And like whenever I ate the soup, I was like, oh, oh, Amanda, this soup. And bite after bite, just, I was like, man, I just had to chew on it more. I had to get more of it. That's the idea of meditate, to chew on it, to mutter it over and over and over and over. I'll give you an example, and this is one that we've all, we can all relate to. Um, throw ourselves back, all the way back to your, your high school, grade school days. It's uh, meditating, in a way, and bear with me through the illustration, it's a lot like having a crush. Oh gosh, that's right. You all remember whenever you had crushes? Way back when, I remember whenever I was a, a young Ben Ogle, and I had, you know, you'd have those feelings, you know, you see, you see someone, and it's just, you know, all of a sudden they, you know, maybe just, you guys catch eyes in class, you know, just that moment, and you start, and as soon as you catch eyes, no one said a word, you, think, you start thinking, oh, I wonder if they're thinking about me, what are they, what are they thinking about me, you know? You know, what's their next class? You know, where, where are they going to go from here, you know? And, and you start to think about all these different things. You're like, okay, so who are their friends? Who are my friends? And when, how, can I, how can I maybe uh, go talk to them, you know, at some point in time? You know, maybe uh, I'll catch them after class. And you start thinking, like, what am I going to say after class? You know, in my, in my, my mind was always, 
Okay, I gotta come up with something funny. Funny, funny breaks the ice. Yeah, that's good. Come up with something funny, Ben. You know, so I'm, I start to think, what, what can I say that's funny? Or, you know, can I say something out loud in class that's funny, get everybody to laugh? You know, stuff like that. And I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. You know, and then all of a sudden you're, you're starting to think, you know, what, I wonder, I wonder what, uh, I don't know, I wonder, I wonder, you know, what, are, what, should we, what should we name our kids, you know? You know, how many kids should we have? You know, you're thinking about, thinking about that, and then you're starting to write, write their name with either, you know, your last name or vice versa. You're writing your name with their last name. You know, you just, you, you, what, what am I saying, though? You are meditating on that person. You are, and you are thinking about all kinds of different angles of what a relationship with that person is going to be like. And you're thinking about how cute they look and the way they laugh. And you're thinking about it nonstop. And before you know it, you've missed the entire math period. And you have no clue what has gone on because you were, you were not present at all in the least. But what does it do? What does it do? Because, I mean, like, if you think about a crush, it's about, I mean, feelings are about 80% of it. I mean, rational thought is somewhere in the lower, you know, 1% or less of the following ingredients make this up. Because what are, the, what are the thoughts that you even have? I mean, like, I, I remember, just to give examples, you would have, you would have these thoughts where it would be like, oh, man, I, I really like them. You're telling your friends, and your friends are like, dude, they're dating someone. Yeah, but it's all right. They'll, they'll understand. They'll, they'll, they'll come to their senses. They'll know. They'll know I'm the one. I mean, we chuckle, but did we not think those things? I mean, our entire belief system was changing to suit these people that we had these crushes on. It's pure meditation. And then I remember one particular girl that I met. Whenever I saw her, Whenever I saw her, we barely spoke for the first two months that we knew each other at all and had very inter- barely any interaction whatsoever. <laughs> but over time, I got to know her. Whenever I got to know her as a friend, I thought, man, I, I, I really enjoy spending time. I really, whew, I really enjoy spending time with her. And then all of a sudden, it's like, man, I'm talking to her a whole lot. I'm talking to her a whole lot. I really enjoy everything she has to say. I really, this, is, this is good stuff. You know, sure, and you know, here's the interesting thing about a, about a crush. You have, you will always have the dissenting ideas or things of why this won't work, why this can't work, and what do you do? You, you think tank ways all around those particular things. Like, you're, you probably remember, like, oh, man, my parents aren't going to like them. That wasn't the case, hon. You think like, oh, my parents, but then you come up with the, the ways that you can argue around that for your parents so, so it's okay. I mean, you were putting a lot of effort into this. But then I, find, I, find, I got to know this woman, Amanda. And after time, I realized, my gosh, this is, this is a good thing. And so I finally got the nerve to ask her out. And then I, after I asked her out, I, 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 in a long story short, but after knowing her for a whole year, and there was all the, you know, that, the, 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 the tension of, do they like me? Do they know? Do, do, do they like me? Do they like me? I finally got the nerve to just tell her how I felt. And I told her after a three-hour dinner, the check came to the dinner. I said, Amanda, I've grown quite fond of you over the last year. That's why she likes the Hallmark movies. It's like straight out of a Hallmark movie, right? 
Who happened? Yeah, <laughs> thank you. I was killing it that day. How could she say no? No, but what's what what's the what's the point of it? You, one way or the other, all the emotional energy that you put into that crush lend in two ways. One, you take an action on it and something happens with it. Or two, they break your heart. And then you go total opposite direction of the crush. Now instead of thinking about all the good things, you were, dis- you were coming up. You were coming up with all the ways of how there's such a terrible person and how they just totally tramped on your heart. Oh my gosh. And I can't even, how do they sleep at night? I can't even imagine it. And you know what? One way or the other, they're still consuming all your thoughts. Here's where we bring it in. What if you did that with the Word of God? What if you took one scripture, one scripture that applied to something in your life? You started to think, you, first thing you've got to do is find one. Good old Bible Gateway has a beautiful search function. You could just type in a word and all of a sudden it spews out every scripture you could possibly think about that deals with that topic. But what if you took that one scripture and you memorized that scripture? And after you memorize that scripture throughout the day, you're just thinking about that scripture, repeating it over and over and over and over in your mind. Thinking about it. Thinking of the different angles of it. Who said this scripture? Who are they saying it to? Why did they say it? Before you know it, you're starting to think of all these different angles. You know, I'll give two quick examples for it. One, uh, in Psalms, it was David that says, I give thanks to thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, talking about just the, the marvel of the human body and I decided one day, I'm going to meditate on that. My, my original thought was, man, I'm pretty awesome, so I'll, I'll meditate on that, right? He, yeah, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Let me just get that. Yeah, great. I mean, like, God's so merciful with us, right? I'm like thinking that I'm going to, I'm going to blow my head up with that one all, all about myself. But you know what I thought about during that day? I thought, as I was thinking about it, fearfully and wonderfully made. And I thought, boy, that could almost apply to healing, too. Something that's fearfully and wonderfully made shouldn't be sick for very long if it does get sick. Wow, God, yeah, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. It's like all of a sudden you have a different angle of looking at it. You know, and I'll share, I'll share, this, uh, share this with you in Proverbs. Everyone go to Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs towards the middle of the Bible. Just to give the quick, uh, the quick example of this, so I... Uh, in my late 20s, I started dealing with asthma uh, in my life real bad. I mean, to the point where I was using an inhaler uh, two to three times a day. Just kind of onset for, for no good reason whatsoever. And during this time, I was, I, I was really actually, I was reading a lot of the Bible. I found this, this, this plan, and I keep, I'm going to pitch this thing every chance I get, chronological plan on Bible.com, where it goes through and it jumps around the Bible to follow in a perfect historical chronological succession of events. And it's, it is beautiful, 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 beautiful. Really recommend it. But I was reading that at a time, but man, this, 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 this asthma was bad. I went to go see doctors. You know, I got two different kinds of inhalers to, to manage it. But it was still the same thing where day after day, I would have to take this inhaler twice a day. And I was listening to a sermon by a minister, and he brought up the, uh, the sermon, in, or the, the message, in, or the verse. Wow, I'm going to get it, I promise you. 
in Proverbs 4, verse 20, it says, My son, give attention to my words and incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your sight and keep them in the midst of your heart. Sounds like meditation to me. For they are life to those who find them and health to their whole body. And I had this thought come to me. That scripture just stuck in me. It's health to my whole body. And so what I did is I started to think, because if you've, if you've ever had asthma and you've taken an inhaler, man, you can feel that medicine opening up your airways. Well, what I did is I decided, well, the Word of God, I'm reading the Word of God, and it's health to all my flesh. I want it to be health to all my flesh. That's my lungs. So I went and I looked up and I found out, what does a bronchodilator do? It helps relax the muscles that are around, your, around the different parts of your lungs, and it helps reduce the swelling so that you can get air that moves through. And so what I started to do whenever I took that inhaler is I started to imagine this is what the Word of God feels like, opening, opening up my lungs. This is what the Word of God feels like. And I did that for, for a few weeks, just imagining, thinking about it. Every time I went to use it, two, three times a day, I'd think of that. This is what the Word of God does. So what I started to do then is I got to the point where I would feel the onset of either an asthmatic attack or things get, or getting tight. And so what I started to do as I took that puff of the inhaler, I would think and I would meditate on that Word. His Word is health to all my whole body. I'd take it and I'd think of that Scripture. And I finally got to the point where whenever I would feel that coming on, I would wait as long as I could to take that inhaler because I would meditate and I would think, no, God's word is opening up my lungs. It's opening up my lungs. It's opening up my lungs, muttering. It's health to all my body, health to all my body. And you know what? Still had to use the inhaler. I kept at it for a few weeks, same thing, every time I went to go use it. And then I remember one particular time, I feel the onset of it, and I stopped, same thing. No, the Word of God opens up my lungs. It's health to whole, all my body. Health, health. And I noticed that that asthma attack never came on. Guess what? The next day, I had another chance. Came on. Had to use the inhaler. Didn't stop me. Still kept going, kept with it. I kept doing that week after week after week after week after week after week. And I finally got to the point that whenever I felt the onset of it, through meditation, just stopping and believing and thinking of that scripture, the word of God does this to my lungs. I didn't have to take it. And in fact, it's been probably close to eight, nine years since I've ever used an inhaler because of it. But that's, that's the power of meditation. Why? What did I do? I let the Word of God change the way that I thought. And I started to think, the more that I thought about it, the more that I thought about it, the more that I thought about it, I basically replaced that that Word of God was more effective than medicine. That's faith. But I didn't start there. I had to work there. I had to think about it nonstop. I had to let myself imagine it. It was like having a crush on the Scripture. In fact, that's it. Write it down. Get a crush on a Scripture. 
And then let that be what you think about. You might say, well, Pastor Ben, what did you do? Did you, did you go by yourself and just get in a, an isolation room and just, you know, think about the Word of God? No, this is stuff that's going on while I'm sitting at a desk working, while I'm driving a car, while I'm a passenger in a car, while I'm in the middle of church. I mean, there, I'll, I'll be honest, I can recall times that I was in the middle of teaching a classroom where I paused and did that. You can do it on the fly. But it's up to us to take the effort to apply this element, meditation, to our arsenal of tools. We have the Word of God, but putting in the meditation like that, it will change your thoughts. I'm telling you, if having a crush on someone and just thinking about it, it will change your emotions. Think of whenever you were in high school, how your emotions were all over the place with these people, you know, that you had crushes on. You know, I, I tell that to my wife all the time, I said, honey, I know that you love me, but Oh, you just you got to tone it down sometimes. You know, it's okay. Get a hold of yourself. I know I'm overwhelming. No, just kidding. <laughs> you can't say anything back. I love it. All right. No, but do that with the Word of God. Let it start to change your thoughts. Where you, as, as a man thinks within himself, so is he. That's in Proverbs. There's a reason why God says meditation is important. And if you'll notice, then it starts to become a reflex for you. You memorize that scripture, it's in your heart, it's a reflex. You start to think about it before anything else. So I really encourage you, find a scripture. Find a scripture this week. Get a crush on it. Think about it. Memorize it. Let it consume your thoughts and see what it does. See, just see. I, you know what? I challenge you on it. See if it doesn't change aspects of your life. It's a powerful element. You know, another one that's a pretty good, pretty important one that we should focus on is prayer. And these aren't on your outline, but it's things that I just want to cover in the elements because God, God has really expressed to me that these are important. You know, without diving into too many scriptures so we can finish our outline here, but if you read the Gospels, it talks about in Luke, it says that his disciples would find Jesus. He withdrew himself to pray, and it, it says, as he often did. Prayer is a really important part of our life. In fact, God makes it clear that in some ways, if, if we don't pray and ask for things, he's not going to act in our life. God wants us involved in asking for things in our life. He wants us taking an active Almost kind of like an active inventory. We need to submit to him what we need. Things that we think about. We can talk to God about the things we think about. Prayer is not necessarily meant as a, as a formality, but almost think of it like an open discussion that you would have with someone. You know, there was a, there was a quote by a minister, Kenneth Hagin. Somebody asked him, how many, how many hours do you pray in a day? I mean, he had a, an, an amazing ministry. Of, of healing, and he was, it was worldwide, and he said, it's not necessarily how many hours I pray, it's that I just pray constantly. I'm always thinking that talk to God in a moment. Whenever I'm walking out to my car, I think, hey God, this was on my mind. Maybe it's me then asking him for something, or maybe it's me just thinking of something that I have and thanking him for it. He said, but it's continuously speaking with him. It's not just like a, here's my block of time. Here's my hour that I get it done. 
Now, we have our times of prayer, and I'm going to tell you, those are, those are powerful. That's powerful stuff. That's really good stuff. In fact, I'll say this. You may say, oh, I don't have the time to do it. Show up for 15 minutes, pray, and then take off if you have to. Why? Because that 15 minutes is more well invested in prayer than it would be anything else that you can come up with to do. But God will begin to have a dialogue back with you at the same time. You know, just a, an example, my son, my son loves God. There's a man that was talking about the announcements, man. He is, he is God everything. God, 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 God. Wants, just, just wants it to be part of his whole life. And you know what? And I love, I love his heart because every Wednesday whenever I come to prayer, he asks to leave the house to come to prayer. Seven-year-old. Wants to come to prayer. He goes in the back and he gets his little sheets out of the prayer wall, comes in here, you know, and he writes. And of course, you know, is he, is he focused for the whole, the whole hour? No, I mean, I, it's harder for me to stay focused for the whole hour, hour and a half, right? But he writes down prayers of friends that he's thinking of. Every week he's doing this. And so he asked me the one week, he said, God, he said Dad, I, God, God doesn't talk to me. I, I, I can't hear him. And, you know, if you think about it from, from a seven-year-old's perspective, he's probably thinking that God would sound a lot like all the other voices in his life. You know, the parental voice that starts out at about, you know, 45 decibels, asking them to stop pressing the same button on the toy over and over and over. And, you know, that voice that escalates up into the 65 range, you know, with a more direct statement about it. You know, and then it repeats again at the 85 decibel level, you know, with very, very precise words of what needs to happen. And then it goes into the 120 decibel range where there's some discernible words about casting the toy into the outer darkness and why we should only listen the first time and not have to repeat. No one else or just, <laughs> just, just me? <laughs> no, but he's probably expecting to hear something like that. And I kept trying to tell him, Warren, it's, it's going to be something, it's almost like you know. It, it, it's not something you hear with your ears. It's not something you necessarily imagine with your mind. It's something you just, you get right in your heart. And it just, it's almost like a feeling, but it's almost like you just know something. And I said, you know, like, well, what's two plus two? And he's like, four. And I said, you know that, right? He's like, well, yeah. I said, it's, it's kind of like that. But we kept going week after week, coming back, coming back. And he'd say the same thing. I kept encouraging him, ask God to speak to you. Ask God to speak to you. And the other Friday night where we had the, 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 the prayer and, and the worship time, it was, it, was, it was great. He comes up to me as we're, we're in the back. And he goes, Dad, God spoke to me. And he had the biggest smile on his face. I was the happiest dad. I mean, man, we hugged. And I was just, and I was like, well, what did God, what did God say to you? And now this... The, this is what I want to, I don't want you to take this out of context. He told me, God said that I need to be careful how I behave. You might say, wait, you mean this, 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 this kid who's asking to hear from God, the first thing that God tells him is something on correction? Yeah. And you know what? It gave him so much life. It gave him so much life. 
There are times, and I'm saying this to someone right now, God is speaking correction into your life, and you need to stop resisting it. God's telling you to change some things in your life, whether it be attitudes, ways you speak, I don't know what it is, stop resisting it. You can find that same life that a seven-year-old had by being corrected. Because God loves you. He loves you. And he wants better things for you. But we have to respond to his voice. I'll tell you this, a lot of times whenever God speaks to us, most of it is going to be correction. I mean, (laughs) God's been talking to you a lot. Me too. I understand. (laughs) But whenever he does speak to us, we should be careful to heed it. Or you know what? God may speak to us in other ways where we, don't, we just get a, some kind of an inkling about maybe someone or something. We don't get the whole story. God is not going to always give you the whole story up front. And it might just be for you then to unravel it. And there's a scripture in Proverbs that says it's the glory of kings to search out a matter. That's for us to discover. But prayer is vitally important for us. It's our line of communication. If, if you have a friend that you never talk to, and then you talk to them after like two, three, four years, there's a lot of catching up that you have to do. It's almost like you've kind of forgotten who they were. Constant communication in prayer is a beautiful element to help make sure that you're staying close with the master engineer communicating to his workmanship, which is you. You know, and with that, just in the same line of prayer, I really do encourage you, prayer in the Spirit. Prayer in tongues is a really amazing element that is part of what God gave us. And it's for all of us. It's not restricted to just a few. It's for everybody to take part of. You know what? Let's, uh, yeah, we're going to do that. If you could, could everyone just turn to the book of Jude? Second to last book of the Bible. Thank you, Lord. Jude, uh, there's only one chapter chapter, uh, and it's in verse 20. It says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. There is something extremely spiritual that happens whenever you pray in tongues. Whenever you engage yourself in and allow yourself to go over and speak and, and pray in tongues, it's almost like there's an element of your, of your mind that shuts off and there's part of your spirit that turns on. The Bible talks about that. In Romans chapter 8, verse 26, it says that the Spirit is able to help us pray. And, it's, and I'm paraphrasing, but it's basically the, the Holy Spirit is able to help us pray for things that we don't know how to pray for. You know, I love, thinking of, I love thinking of this, that whenever I pray, and this is whenever I talk about it in the kids, I say that you're praying, you're using every language that has ever existed is available to you now to pray in. And how cool is it? Because if I look at just simply the, the Greek language, I look at the Greek language, there's what, four or six different words that is that for our one word of love? Ooh, that's pretty descriptive. So I think about that. If I combine every single language that is now available to me, man, I can get really specific. The Holy Spirit can really craft something that is absolutely perfect.
perfect for what I need in my life because I'm no longer limited to just my English language. I'm no longer limited to just what I can think in my own mind. I'm now able to tap into the entirety of the mind of God through the Holy Spirit. Not only that, in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it says that he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, builds himself up. You ever feel run down? You ever feel like you don't know what to do? Praying in tongues is absolutely the way to do it. You know, whenever I say it, it kind of, your mind shuts down on it and your spirit takes over. Just as a real quick illustration is, there's a, whenever Amanda and I were in our the program master's commission, there was a, a guy that got born again in our young adults group. His name was Cush, right? Cush. And Cush, uh, Cush was in the military for a while, and he, he was out of the military. Started wanted to give his life to God, gave his life to God. God, man, got on a, a really good path, and man, he just wanted everything he could get. So the Holy Spirit came up, praying in tongues, right? And now this is a guy that up to this point had never set foot in church ever. So every everything you told him about God was like, whoa, 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 what, what? I mean, sometimes I think we take it for granted what people don't know about God. And so the whole idea of the Holy Spirit came up and praying in tongues. And you know, the, the, the pastor of our, small, of our young adult group was having people come up to get prayed for and Cush goes up. And now at the time, that pastor had been telling me and another guy, hey, meet with Cush every week, help disciple him, you know, see if he has questions, help him along, right? So Cush gets prayed for to receive the Holy Spirit. And afterwards, I caught up with him. I'm like, well, hey man, you know, well, how was that? He's like, dude, I don't know, dude, I don't know what happened. That was the weirdest thing I've ever experienced in my life. And I'm like, well, did you, did you pray in tongues afterwards? And he's like, no. He's like, I just couldn't get over how I felt. I didn't know what, I didn't know what was going on. I go, all right, well, you know, let's, you know, we're just like, next week, whenever we, we, we meet, you know, for coffee, let's just talk about it. He's like, oh, okay. So the next week, you know, we, we meet with him and, you know, we're talking to him. And he gets to the point, he goes, hey, uh, I got a question for you guys. And you could tell it's like kind of like worrying him. And he, and he says, uh, you know, whenever I go to bed at night, I, I, like to, I like to pray and just kind of fall asleep while I'm praying. You know, and just, just, just I don't know, that's just what I like to do. And uh, he goes, you know, you know like when you're half asleep and you're half awake and you're kind of like in that stage where you don't really know what's, you know, if you're asleep or awake. We're like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, well, like, I was praying but, like, I, I heard myself pray, and I go, it wasn't English, was it? He goes, no, dude, it wasn't English. <laughs> and I, I was so excited for him. I'm sitting there like, gosh, man, you're praying in tongues. And he's like, is that okay? <laughs> I was like, yes, it's okay. And we, so what we talked about, we said, I, I said, did you try to pray in tongues before? He's like, yeah, but like I couldn't think of what to say. And I said, no, 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 you fell asleep praying. It wasn't until finally your mind shut off, but your spirit was still engaged praying and having a connection with God that all of a sudden the spirit took over when your mind went off and you prayed in tongues literally without even thinking about it. I said, that's what it is. And he's like, so like I can do that more? I was like, yes, you could do it more. He's like, okay, oh, good. I thought, like, I didn't know what was going on. He's like, I wasn't, he goes, I, I just couldn't figure it out. 
But I think sometimes for us as Christians, we overthink things so much in the elements that we have to work with. They're so spiritually simple. And sometimes for us, it's a matter of us shutting off our emotions, shutting off our thoughts, shutting off our preconceived ideas and allowing what God says to be the real thing. And sometimes that takes us convincing ourselves through meditation of it. As we move over into the, before we hit the last, move into the next point of it, I would just want to offer this, that worship is another powerful element that God has for us. Whenever, the, whenever we have, and let me just tell you, this is amazing, that what we have we are blessed with. This is amazing what we are blessed with. This is a, a, absolutely, and you could tell, there, the worship from, from this team is selfless and it's purely focused on magnifying God. And I'll encourage you, on a Sunday morning, you getting into worship is vital. Raising your hands in humility to your God in singing praises to Him is vital. You know what this action right here is whenever you're worshiping? It's humility. You're giving praise to someone bigger than you. And the Bible says that He draws near the humble, but He resists the proud. And I'll tell you this, God has spoken more to me about my life during praise and worship than any prayer time that I have ever had. I mean, without, it's not even close. In fact, I'll notice that if I feel like I'm in prayer and I'm not getting anything, I'll turn on worship. Why? It's what works for me. I found the element that works. So there's a lot of different ways, and you know what, this is just touching on a few, but there are a lot of different ways that we can go about achieving this in our lives. God has given us a ton of different things to work with. We can't just be so single approached to how something has to be. There's so many angles that God has given us to overcome the things that we have in our life, to find out what he has planned for us in our life. And you know what? This is our next, our next blank. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus, for getting to our next blank. <laughs> the one thing that we have to do is we have to understand the design of what you want. And I think the problem for a lot of us is, is that we come up with all these elaborate designs of what we want our life to be like, be like, and then we never submit it to actually what God wants in our life. Because I don't know about you, but if I could craft my own life, it would be a lot more problem-free than it has been. I'm not a huge fan of suffering. I don't know. I mean, just, just, I, I, I'm just being, I'm leveling with everyone here. But the problem is, is that we're not going to be able to avoid that in life. Jesus even said it. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. But take joy because I have overcome the world. But sometimes what we want to do is we want to come up with the idea that we have for what our life is like rather than submitting it to what God says for us. We, we, we justify the things that we do and the, the, little, the little pet beliefs that we have about our own life without ever really taking his correction because, well, God, this is how it probably should be. 
rather than actually listening, God, is this what you want? In Isaiah, man, I love, this is such a cool scripture if you just think about it and meditate on it. Isaiah 45 verse 9, it says, How terrible it will be for those who argue with the God who made them. They're like a piece of broken pottery among many pieces. The clay does not ask the potter, what are you doing? The thing that is made does not say to his maker, you have no hands. <laughs> you got no hands. But I think for us, it's so easy to want to tell God the way things should be rather than saying, God, you, you know the plans you have for me. Give, help me tap into your strength to walk through this. Tell you what, I'm 100% convinced that there's a lot of Christians that want to circumvent problems in their life, that God wanted you to go through those problems for a specific purpose because it does say in Corinthians, it says the comfort that you receive through the trials you go through is supposed to be put onto somebody else. The same comfort that you receive, you're supposed to give it to someone else in the same way. Why? Because if I find someone else that's going through the same problem as me, I know exactly how they felt. I know exactly what they need. I know what helped me. But I think for so many of us, we're so resistant to the problem, we're faced with an issue, mental, we're faced with some kind of a mental anguish, we're faced with depression, we're faced with sickness, we're faced with whatever, and we never really get all of our tools out to spiritually engineer a solution to that problem, and we want to just live with it, or accept that I can't, I can't do this. And meanwhile, God, you're, I, I'm convinced that some of us are going to come and say, you know what, God's going to say, I wanted you to get through that because there were 12 other people that I wanted you to minister to for the answer that I had for you. And you never sought it out. I don't, I don't want that to be me. I don't want that to be you. I don't. And I'm convinced that God has so, look, our lives are never going to operate perfectly. We're never going to have everything that we want. But you know what? God is able to get us exactly what is according to his plan so that we can be and achieve the things that he has for us. And I'm telling you, walking in that light is far better than any design we can come up with. Go to the master engineer and find out what the design is. But this sounds simple, but it's, it's so much harder, and I think once we go to start to try it, it's not as easy as it sounds, because we've all started in the wrong place with things. We've all had our own attitudes and predisposed ideas of what things should be or how they should work, and it's up to us to find the right one. We've all started, and here's a blank, in, our, in the wrong place. Instead of building on that foundation that Jesus has for us, we've built on our own. We've all had the wrong attitude. It's easy to get the attitude. Man, it's easy to get an attitude towards God. God, it shouldn't be like this. I just want, I just want some peace in my life. I, don't, I shouldn't have to deal with this. You know what, if we spent that same emotional, emotional effort going into, instead of being mad at God, instead of trying to work with God to get what we need, wouldn't that be easier? PowerPoint, for sake of time, I'm going to get through these last few points pretty quick. We're going to skip over the scriptures. We've all wanted the wrong designs. 
We've had the wrong attitude. We've wanted the wrong designs. And I think sometimes whenever we come up with problems, and I encourage you, please look at these scriptures afterwards on, the, on your outline. We ask the wrong questions whenever we didn't get what we thought. But what I want to encourage us is don't give up before you have true discovery. And you're going to be surprised at what you find along the way. You know, it's amazing whenever you look at some of the inventions that were discovered purely by accident. Penicillin, accident. Working on something else. The microwave, accident. Wasn't trying to design something that cooks food. Pure accident. The vulcanized rubber that we all have on our tires, also accidental discovery. There's amazing things that once you begin to dig into spiritual engineering in your own life, there's amazing things that God is going to show you. There's amazing revelation that he is going to give you. But it all starts with us taking the first step. So you know what? Here today on Sunday, December 8th, 2019, the year of our Lord, we all have a decision, and I'm going to challenge you with it. What are you going to choose to do with your life? Are you just going to accept the status quo for what you have? Are you going to let the things that you've experienced in your life dictate who you are, the way you think? Are you going to be that spiritual engineer that sees the problem, that sees the impossible landscape and says, no, my God is able to come up with something that we can get around this. And I'm going to use, I'm going to look at the environment and I'm going to build right on the right foundation. I'm going to use the elements the right way and I'm going to make sure I'm staying in his design. You know, here this morning before we take off, the perfect design is for us to be God's children, for us to be one with Him in His kingdom. Without taking it for granted, I just want to ask everyone, if you could, bow your head, close your eyes, no one looking around, everyone being respectful. God has a design for you to be His child. And it says the way to get that is to ask Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life, to give your life over to Him. So I want to ask everyone here, if you've never done that, or you feel like maybe you backslid, you've, you've gone away from it, you knew that at one point, but now, uh, I don't know. I want to give everyone here the opportunity. If that's you. You want to know Jesus Christ and have that perfect design. I want you to raise your hand. Father God, Lord, I thank you for what you've spoken to our hearts. I thank you for your love. I thank you for everything you've given us. Lord, I ask that you would, Lord, everyone that is hearing this message, I ask that you would speak to their hearts, Lord God, places of where they can start. 
Lord, help them, Lord God, as they go on this journey of spiritual engineering to obtain the things that you have for them in their lives. Lord, I ask that in Jesus' name.